Hello and welcome to the With Jay Burke Show. My name is Jason Burke and though I'm technically the host of this podcast, it's the guests who truly take top billing. This is a place for curious minds who enjoy civil and sometimes meandering conversation. If you appreciate a few laughs or want to come away with new knowledge or a simple understanding to subjects that aren't always easy to break down, you're the person I want listening to this podcast. Ben Neal was someone who attained what you're told you always should from childhood. He successfully owned his own mortgage company, he made a lot of money, and he had a family. But then a series of unfortunate events led Ben to confront his own personal dark night of the soul in 2009. Ben endured grief and guilt that's associated with the loss of loved ones and the mental anguish that comes along with that. To pick himself up, Ben became an avid student, spending nearly a decade reading more than 1,000 books on various subjects, all related to the mind. All of this learning and experience led him to do something he had never considered before, writing a novel. That in itself was a journey, and Ben will get into some of that in this episode. But when it's all said and done, Ben wrote his first novel, named The Initiate, which correlates closely with his journey in a very metaphorical sense. The Initiate is a fictional story, but it is truly intended to help its readers remember that whenever we feel lost, there's something deep inside us, something we're looking for, and something that can help us evolve, and we can assist others in that process. It's so much more than that, but that, I think, is some of what um, the essence of it would be. Anyway, it was a great conversation, and if you're a fan of philosophy or even theology, then this is a great episode to listen to. We get pretty deep, and Ben is very open about the tragedies he endured and the way he was able to overcome them, though I'm not sure overcome is the right word. Maybe persevere is more appropriate, since that's really how we truly move forward. We persevere. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode, because I, I certainly did. Uh, so here it is, the Ben Neal with Jay Burke Show. Watch out, you might get what you're after. Hello and welcome to the With Jay Burke Show. My name is Jason Burke, and though I'm technically the host of this podcast, it's the guests who truly take top billing. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Ben Neal. Ben has a background in sales and finance. After surviving his own personal dark night of the soul in 2009, he became an avid student, spending nearly a decade reading more than 1,000 books on various subjects all related to the mind. The Initiate, his first novel, is a story that correlates closely with his own personal experience. Ben, thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. It's great to be here. Yeah. So um, I was going to say, uh, when I read that and I see the thousand books, how long did that take you? Did that started in 2009 or that started later? Yeah. So basically about 2010, okay. I started reading and it the backstory to it, so to speak, is I watched a talk on YouTube by a guy named Og Mandino, pretty famous author. A lot of people know him. Mm -hmm. he's, he's probably known for his best 
one of his best-selling books, The Greatest Salesman in the World, but his talk really had this impact on me. And he, in his talk that he gives on YouTube, he talks about this bum that had been standing on this street corner who basically was, you know, down on his luck, feeling miserable, and he's standing in front of this pawn shop window as the rain's just obliterating his face. And he, and he, and he has this thought, you know, he sees something shiny out of the corner of his eye, sees a gun in there, and he's like, reaches in his pocket. He's got two soggy $5 bills and the gun has a price tag of $10 on. And he thinks, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go in there, I'm gonna buy that buy that gun. I'm gonna buy a couple bullets. I'm gonna blow my brains out. And he, and he kind of ends it with, and thankfully that bum didn't shoot himself or I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. And uh, it sort of really impacted me because I was in the same point he was at that point in time, I think in my life, I was, 36 and losing a wife and daughter and he was 35 and losing a wife and daughter and so his advice and how he lifted himself out of that place he was in at that point in time was he went to the library and started reading books and then he eventually became the editor-in-chief of success magazine in the future and so yeah my journey kind of started there realistically and i would i would go to the library and i just follow these intuitive leads i didn't even know what i was looking for i just walked over sort of in the self-improvement section, that type of thing, personal development, right? And these books that just kind of, you know, have this intuitive appeal and I grab them. So the first book I read was a book called The Master Key System by Charles Hannell. Um, and that's when that movie, The Secret, was based around some of the concepts from that book. Um, never heard of it at that point in time, believe it or not, because I, I hadn't been an avid reader. I'd read probably 13 books my whole life wow. all to get like professional licenses or whatever. So yeah, that that journey started 2010. At this point, I probably read 1600 plus books. Um, just, you know, a lot of it, the first, you know, years were working the mind, Eastern philosophy, metaphysics, all of these subjects that would just sort of have this intuitive appeal, like, okay, study this, study that. And, NLP, psychology, um, you know, Eastern philosophy, just so many different books. It's crazy. I couldn't even tell you, like, if I had to map it out, how I would have found those books, I couldn't tell other than like, I'd find a quote in one book I was reading by an author that would, you know, somehow stand out, resonate with me. And so I'd look that author up and pretty soon I'm buying their books and reading all their books. And so I just, this thing just kind of snowballed to the yeah. point where yeah. at one point I was reading nine, I read nine books in a week. Wow. which is like, I mean, they weren't super long books. Don't get me wrong. These are probably like, you know, 150 to 200 page books. So shorter books, but, but yeah, I mean, I would literally wake up, grab a book, go, go lay on the couch and just start reading. And, and I would read till sometimes two, three in the morning, you know, and just plowing through this. But my mind was in such a bad place when I first started that it was like kind of the only way to escape from, I think what was going on in my personal life at the time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It was uh, times. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking for the word here. Understanding, you know, your mind and then it's weird. So it, I don't want to, I don't know how to say this. You know, American life is kind of like go, go, go. And um, I, I really, some of that Eastern philosophy really, you know, strikes a chord with me, you know. Absolutely. And, and it's just a different way, of, a different outlook, a different way of seeing things. I know this isn't really Eastern philosophy. Um, you know, I, I had a, a, a dark spell 
a few years ago uh, when my mother had passed away. There were some other things, but she she died of uh, Parkinson's. So it was a really terrible way to go and just to watch. And you kind of get this almost nihilistic outlook on life, right? Like you're just like, what's the point of this? Like you watch somebody you love suffer. I was just in a place more where I didn't care about much. Mm-hmm. And everything kind of seemed meaningless. And I remember, and I, I read a lot of philosophy, you know, in my 20s and, and stuff, but it didn't resonate. I guess I didn't have any life experience to, to really resonate that too. But I got into, um, you know, uh, a lot of existentialism, mm-hmm. like Sartre and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I just remember where it opened my mind was, you know, the great thing about having you can think of life this way right like there's there might be no meaning to it if, if you're not spiritual if you don't believe in religion or whatever mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. but existentialism kind of taught me that the great thing about that is you get to create meaning in your life you know so there, there's really like two ways to look at that totally. and and that's what i had found then so i get what you mean i remember just like i was searching for something to show me that there was meaning and that always resonated with me that yeah. way i definitely didn't read a thousand books <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness for you right yeah I mean, you, it's easy to get locked up in that pain right when you're going through a rough time and that's what i was going through and it's easy to get lost in that pain and you sort of close off and you keep that pain locked inside you to the point where you become almost numb and hollow, right? Yeah. You can't, you can't experience anything. So even just experience something is like, you know, better than where you're at in that space right then. Right. And so for me, like reading a lot of those different things gave me so many different perspectives, but I love reading a lot of that stuff from the standpoint of, I feel like I gained something out of it. Like I have these aha moments where something just, really resonates with me and you know it has that physical impact so to speak on you when something really resonates yeah you just truth i believe has a resonance and something that resonates with you as being true like whether other people believe that or not is irrelevant right because it it resonates with you it has that impact on you and it helps you in a way um to maybe just see beyond the situation you're in because really it's just a shift in our awareness that changes our whole life right mm-hmm. and and that's some of what i learned through all this studying it's like perception is everything right perception is projection right that's kind of an overused term but but it's so true right and what we perceive we kind of project and so yeah it's super super powerful right if you walk around focused on how bad everybody is, you're going to find evidence to back up how bad Mm -hmm. everybody is. But if you walk around focused on how much love there is everywhere, you're going to find that love everywhere too. And when we're closed off, we're kind of stuck in that, you know, negative loop, so to speak, where we can't see any good, right? And what's the meaning? Life is meaningless. And when you have that perception, right, that's what you find. You're going to find evidence because you're the way your mind works. Your, your unconscious mind is going to find evidence for whatever truth you believe to back it up. Because the one thing we need more than anything, right, is that certainty to know that, hey, we're on this right path. And what what I believe, you know, my beliefs are certain, my beliefs are true, this and that. It's, it's yeah. hard to get past beliefs, right? So it's, it's powerful, but you're right. And I think that's where you reading so many books probably helped. And I think you said psychology, too. And I think that's mm-hmm. a great way to mix, mix it together. Because understanding how the mind works and how the body works with it. Mm-hmm. 
and then your thought process with philosophy and things like that it just it i think it makes all the difference to have all those things connect yeah nlp was a lot of help that way too and it really helped me to understand i mean nlp a lot of people don't maybe know a ton about nlp some will some will read into it and think it's all about manipulation of this and that or whatever but but nlp teaches us the way our mind processes information right it's like how we how we sort of retain information how our memories when we go back and view them over and over again they're never the same as the experience right like like they just aren't. So every time you go back and do it, well, NLP gives you techniques to go back and kind of change those memories. So if you have memories that are painful, right, and sticking with you, it's like it teaches you how to go back and change those memories to where they don't have that emotional impact on you anymore. And also, it just teaches you how your physiology works, how you communicate, how you process information in your mind. And, and when you're stuck in sort of this endless loop where I was, where you've got this internal dialogue and, and it's basically saying to you, like, hey, you're garbage. Like you want to do everybody a favor and just end your life right now. Right. Because you're worthless. Like, and that's a nice way of putting what was going on in my head when this journey began for me. But, but when you've got that going on, it's like, how do you, how do you fight yourself? How do you fight your mind? How do you fight your own internal dialogue that's poisoning you at every step of the way? And then when you try to defend yourself, it's like, well, remember the time you did this? Remember the time you did that? It's like, how do you win that battle? So that was, I needed a way out of that. In, I mean, I can't even explain how desperate I was to say the least, right? But mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what you know motivated me to read all these books and try to just get past that because it was kicking my butt. like. Yeah, I mean, just crushing me. So, do you remember a time while you were reading those books where it all clicked, or did it just, just over time it happened? Like, was there a day where you woke up and you're like, you're 300 books in, and all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I feel pretty good about myself. Yeah, there there kind of was a point. It was probably so. I started about 2010, and it was probably like towards the end of 2012 that I finally like kind of had worked through some of these issues you know i didn't have this dialogue beating me up anymore um and i was in a better place and it it kind of goes with this story about the book at that point in time you know writing for me wasn't on my radar i i never wanted to be a writer it wasn't something that you know wasn't a desire for me most writers it's opposite it's a lifelong dream this and that and at that point in time it was like okay I had kind of learned to sort of tap into these intuitive leads when you get your mind clear and you get your mind in the right space like there's so you have so much more access to what's here that you're not paying attention to because your mind is so busy you know focused on all those things that are dragging you down and zapping your energy and so i sort of had had some demonstrations of this along the way and i was like i said on these books that i would find i was sort of just intuitively drawn to them and that kind of just led me down this path where I was following these breadcrumbs, so to speak, right? And so um, about 2012, I'm like, all right, great. I've got myself sort of fixed. Now all I need to do to really be straight because so to give you an idea of what happened in my dark night of the soul, I didn't explain that obviously, but lost everything financially, went through a split in my long-term relationship with my significant other and her daughter. Um, my mother died in a fire when her building caught on fire. Um, just all of that all at once. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and so I was broke for several years while I'm doing this. So anyway, I, at 
2012 comes along and I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I've got myself sort of sorted out here. I think I can, you know, now, now the only thing I'm missing is I just need to start making money again. And I'm going to be this normal person I was before, right? Before all this happened. That's what I'm thinking anyway. And so I, I had been in the mortgage business forever and ever, ever. And, uh, and, but I had told all my friends, like, I'm never going back to the mortgage business. I'll never get back in that business. And this is after the crash, right? In 08, mortgage meltdown. Like, there's no money to be made. It's frustrating. And so I'm like, I'm doing this on my own. And, and so I, I go to this, take this job at this company I didn't know anybody at. And I literally just fell on my face. Like, I just couldn't make it work. And so I go home sort of frustrated and, and I'm, I basically say this prayer and I, I say, Hey, you know, help me then help, help me to get through this. And, and the answer is, Hey, call, call your old broker tomorrow and, or call, call your old broker right now and go work for them tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. And I'm having to swallow my pride because I sworn I'm not doing this. Right. And so I call him up and he's like, yeah, come in start tomorrow. We'll get going. So, and literally what happened from that experience is all of a sudden I realized like, Hey, this is, you know, sort of coming together. And the next day it was like, I got this demonstration of, you know, the miracles we can sort of tap into when we get our minds clear. And so it was basically like, call this person, call that person, call this person. And every phone call went like, like this. So weird you called, just thinking about you. My mom's wanting to buy a house. We'd love for you to do the loaner. Hey, so weird you called, you know, been thinking about you and, you know, we want to refinance our mortgage. So two days in, I got 10 loans, which is like, wow. You know what I mean? It, and, and literally effortless. I'm just following these intuitive leads. Well, so at the end of the month, I get my check. I got a check for like $40,000. And this is more money I've had forever, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, wow, this is great. You know, this is, yeah, I'm back. You know, the old me's back. I go to the bank, I cash this check, deposit, you know, whatever, pay off every bill I owe at that point in time. And I leave the bank and I'm driving back to the office and all of a sudden depression, it's all back on. I'm feeling like total crap again. And it's like, what the heck just happened? What just happened, right? Like how did I just all of a sudden fall from grace, right? Where I was just highest high to the lowest low in 20 minutes, right? And and the intuitive voice comes back and basically just says, it's cause you're not done learning. Now get back to work reading and don't worry about making money. And so that's where my journey really began. And so I, that's when I really kind of doubled down and started reading a whole lot more books. I probably read maybe like 250 or 300 books up to that point, right? 2012, it was still a lot, but not to that level that I went to after that. And that's when I really started delving in. And, and again, that's when I just kind of followed those leads, study this subject, study that subject, study this one. And like everyone, sorry, just, uh, would lead me to something. And I just knew like, man, I, I was supposed to read this book. That message was just for me. And I don't know if you've had that experience when you went and did your studies, but you'd have these, you know, these messages just pop out on the page to you. And you, mm -hmm. you knew you just, all of your being, you'd have that experience where your you know, body heats up. You've got the tingles, your armpits get sweaty. You have, you know, what's referred to as a spiritual experience, maybe, you know, in religion, right? right. And then outsider religion, maybe they call them, I think Abraham Maslow called them peak experiences, right? Where you just, you, you just know, you have this understanding at a level and you can't explain it, you just know it. And so, yeah, that's, that, that kind of started for me. So it just, 
kept snowballing from there. What I would ask is then, when did you decide you were going to be writing a book? So point? yeah, so that that came out of this. So so I would go to the gym. That was about the only thing I did besides read books, go to the grocery store, and, and go to the gym. So I'd go to the gym and I'd be on the elliptical or the treadmill or whatever, and this material's just churning, just going crazy in my head. And I'm like, what? So I'd go over these suggestion cards they had at the gym because it was the only thing writing material, right? And I just start writing on the back of these things. I'd walk out of there like 15, 20 minutes later, I have like 30 things filled out with material and information. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this, right? And that started happening around 2013. Um, and I'm like, well, whatever, you know, didn't think much of it, right? Still hadn't thought about writing. And then it just kept poking at me. And finally, I'm like, well, maybe I'm supposed to write a book. <clears throat> and so in 2013, I have this dream, Augmentino comes to me in this dream and he's like, you need to read this blue book. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. So <laughs> I go down, I'm looking through, you know, all my books and, and I, down in the basement, I had a bunch of books and I had two dogs. I let them in the backyard. It's kind of a cloudy day in the middle of winter. I have these tiny basement windows of this house in Utah, um, walk down there and as soon as I get over the pile of books, like clouds clear outside and there's kind of this white that comes and illuminates this pile of books. And I find this blue book underneath. And I remember reading this blue book. And, and at the end of reading the blue book, the idea came like about the story for this book. But again, writing's still not on my radar at this point. And I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, if these temples, because the book had the temples of the past and some of these connections, all of these things in it. And I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, we were these initiates lifetimes ago, right? That built all these temples of the past and encoded them with messages so that knowing that when we return to our lifetimes in the, in the future, right, we wouldn't remember our identities, so to speak. And some of this training we underwent in past lifetimes, wouldn't it be cool if, if we did that? We were the ones that created those so that, and encoded them with a message so we would remember ourselves and all this training. And I, I thought, man, somebody should write that story. That'd be a really cool story, right? And it's a really, yeah, no, it's a really cool idea and a really thoughtful one. Um, so did you study a lot of reincarnation or, I mean, you get some of the so Eastern was, philosophy. Yeah, that was Eastern philosophy, right? So like Bhagavad Gita and all of that, mm -hmm. that book didn't come to me later. Um, the Bhagavad Gita, realistically, I started reading that in like 2016 and Honestly, I bet I've read it a hundred times. I mean, I'm not even kidding. I've read that book so many times because it had such a profound impact on me. But here's something that a lot of people maybe don't know. The Legend of Bagger Vance, not sure if you've heard of that movie and the book as well. Um, that movie through this entire process was always, for some reason, I was just drawn to it. I probably watched that movie like a couple hundred times. I mean, not kidding. Like, at least a couple hundred times. And there was just something about it that always resonated with me. And it always like gave me this healing, so to speak, when I was done watching the movie, like, and I couldn't explain why. So anyway, one day I decided I'm gonna find that book and I read that book. And the book's even better than the movie, I think. But 2016, I finally, like the Bhagavad Gita quotes keep popping up everywhere. I'm like, let me check out this book and see what it's about, right? So I get it and I read it a bunch of times and then I realize that 
the Legend of Bagger Vance is kind of this modern reenactment of the Bhagavad Gita storyline, believe it or not. You've got only it's a golf match instead of a battle on the battlefield. So, and, you know, basically the Bagger Vance character who is Krishna in, you know, the, the Bhagavad Gita, um, he's sort of God reincarnated, right? To, you know, Arjuna. Um, and actually the, the character's name in the Legend of Bagger Vance is Juna, right? Ran off Juna and it's Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. I put that together. I'm like, wow. So uh, anyway, that book, amazing book. Both of them realistically, right? And Stephen Pressfield, who wrote Legend of Bagger Vance, like did such an amazing job of, you know, I don't know that everybody caught that maybe. And it, it took me several, I, I think I read the Legend of Bagger Vance like 18 times. So if that gives you an idea. And that was one of those books that really sort of inspired me to write what I wrote. That and Augmandino's um, books, as well as The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, that's a great book too, just the power of metaphor and all that. And I think that was what really resonated with the Bhagavad Gita too, is just the power of metaphor. And it's like, some people might read that book and get nothing out of it. But for me, it was like, wow, it was so powerful. It was just brought me to tears so many times. And that's where this idea of, you know, living again and everything else, you know, comes about. In fact, believe it or not, <laughs> there it there is. Right here on my desk, and this is at work. So, if that gives you an idea. Um, yeah, I yeah. could tell you're writing in a metaphor. You know, I could see obviously reincarnation is almost symbolism for rebirth in a way, I think. Yeah. From what I'm, I've read so far, I, I told you yeah. I hadn't finished it yet, yeah. but I'm enjoying yeah. it. Um, yeah. I'm a slow reader. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, glad to hear you like it. Yeah. Thing, you know? Yeah. No, but I, I picked that up right away. You know, the idea of reincarnation being sort of like rebirth, which it sounds like is kind mm. of what you went through is right. A rebirth of yourself. Yeah. And Absolutely. That's, that's what's in the novel is that mm -hmm. idea that we can um, remake ourselves or we, we can become a different version of ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, and I think that's the spiritual process, right? I think it begins with sort of this breaking down because like me, you know, I, I'm stubborn. I, you know, I think, I think God, the universe, whatever you want to call it has, has plans for us. Right. But, but he wants us to sort of learn those lessons and, and nothing's more powerful than learning through experience, right. By having that hands on. And so if I'm using an analogy for my life, it's like, here's what I created thinking I created this by myself, right? And then sort of, you think you know what you want and then you get it and you realize it's not what you wanted after all, right? And, and so then that gets taken away and then God, the universe, whatever you want to think, steps in and says, this is what you built by yourself. And great work, by the way, you got everything you wanted clearly. Now let's work together and let's build this for you and I'm going to help you. And and really help you. And I'm going to guide you to build what's going to fulfill your needs on, you know, that higher level, because the more money I made, you know, the bigger my paychecks became, the more empty I felt. And the more I achieved and acquired those things that I thought I wanted for myself, the worse I felt. And it's because I think we were conditioned in this belief that there's, you know, we're somewhat incomplete, right? And there's something outside of us that we need to find to fulfill ourselves. And it's kind of the biggest lie, I think, because I think 
realistically, everything we need is already within us. And if we could just get out of that, out of its way, right. And let it come through, then that's when we're really going to find our fulfillment. And that's kind of the lesson. So this spiritual process of breaking down is kind of the only way that we're going to, I mean, I was helpless, right? It's the only way I kind of turned inwards is because I was helpless because everything that I had done before that worked was no longer working. And so I think that's part of that process. So it's that breaking down before you can be rebuilt, but rebuilt in the right way to where you're going to, you know, follow that guidance that's so much more powerful than, than anything you can come up with on your own, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think... It- it's hard. I mean, at this point, we're we're kind of marketed so heavily between Absolutely. all the technology, you know, and it's it, it's direct marketing. So it's like marketing on steroids. And I'm not saying it's just marketing. You know, it's media. And there's this pinnacle we're supposed to hit, like you said, right? Money and success. I try not to do it, you know, but people you look at people and and you judge them by by certain things like what their job is what they wear you know um there's just so many things but we're kind of taught that at an early age and it's not somebody teaching you it on purpose it's just this like thing in the background that's always there and and um yeah it's it's funny because i say it uh, I've, I've talked about this before where it's like, I wish from a young, at a young age, you know, in school, they would teach you how to deal with more than your numbers. And all that stuff is important. History. I love history, uh, mm-hmm. math, science, all that stuff's important. But I think it's almost more impor- important for kids to learn how to be a, you know, comfortable in their skin and how to deal with uh, trauma or their own stress because and i was talking about this on on my last show a little bit and actually it was funny because it was about gut health but we were talking about how the mind still affects all that you know and um i'm just saying it's um you know everybody deals with something in their own way and they learn it when they're when they're young these defense mechanisms stuff like that but i know when you're watching media or watching or looking on your phone it's it makes you feel all these things like you don't have enough like oh if i if i was happy like this person this person goes traveling if i did that i would be so happy if i had this money if i could buy that car if i can do this and it's all you know it it can be very toxic mm-hmm. and i think what you're part of what you're saying too is when you you kind of stretch out your mind and start to look in different areas. You realize that stuff's not important. Listen, it's nice. It's nice to have money and oh, it's yeah. nice to it, have it items. It sucks to be broke. Right? It sucks to be broke. Yes. It does. It, it absolutely does. But it's, it's getting caught up in that process and understanding. I mean, the outside of somebody's life is an illusion, right? You can look at somebody and what's going on in their outer world, like is, totally totally irrelevant right that's mm-hmm. not that's not reality you look at somebody and think they're living at the top of the world and really what's going on in their mind where we live in our mind is reality that's our experience it's true so if the quality of your thoughts in your mind are in the gutter you live in the gutter it doesn't matter how much money you have or any of those things if you you know if you're living in misery 
no money's going to solve it. There's nothing that can come in and fix that. You, you have to fix yourself first before any of that stuff can have even somewhat of an impact because somebody, you could be down in the dump and get, you know, a billion dollars handed to you tomorrow. And you might be excited for a few days and go buy everything you think you've ever wanted and you'll be right back to where you were. And maybe even worse because now that illusion of, oh, if I only had this or if I only had that is gone. And you come to that reality like, hey, I have this, I have that and I'm not any happier. And I think we do tend to look at other people around us. That's part of the problem, right? Is we look around us and go, oh, well, he's happy. She's happy. Oh, if I had a body like that, if I had this, if I had that, that's the key to my happiness. And I could just have that, but then you get it. And they're no happier than you are. That's the thing about it. And so, yeah, it's, it's trying to find, just come from that place first, I believe. You know what I mean? If you start with happiness in yourself, then the conditions that come to you you know what I mean? Just can increase that happiness or, you know, you can remain happy even in the midst of total chaos and destruction in your world. I mean, yeah, we could go, I could go on and on on this. So I'll, I'll cut it there. <laughs> no, no. And listen, I, I love it. I love talking like this. So, um, I, I just feel like, you know, what you're saying, like I equate it to, you know, you look at status and money and stuff like that, and it's like, you, it's this long climb. And then it's like, you get to the top of the mountain, and you're like, oh, the view is just the way down. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. Wrong mountain. Right? Yeah, it's the wrong mountain. That's the other side. Yeah. yeah, wrong mountain. Yeah. Oh, um, that's where it is. It's over there. That's that and mountain. That's, that was the cycle I got caught up in. Basically. And that was kind of the thing. Like, I, when I was, you know, I was doing well before my dark night of the soul. Um, I had a lot of friends that were doing way better than I was obviously, mm -hmm. you know, making tons and tons of money. And so every time I'd make more money, it was like, Oh, well, I just need to get to their level. Cause they're, they're really happy. You know, and you look around your friends, you're like, Oh yeah, you're really happy. Right. And they're like, yeah. nobody wants to admit that nobody's really happy. So if you're always chasing the outer stuff down and nobody can tell you that nobody can tell you any of this, you have to learn it through experience. You really do. Like if somebody would have told me back then, like, you know, you'll make all this money and you'll never, and you won't be happy. I would have been like, whatever, you're full of crap. You don't know me very well, right? But but that was reality for me. And and I think that's part of the big lie we can buy into is just this idea that like, you know, we're we're somehow inherently flawed, right? We're missing something. We need this person, this thing, this amount of money, this job, this other status, this title, whatever it is to bring that to us. And and it's just fleeting. It's just an endless loop is all it's gonna be if you follow that path because you'll get this, you'll get that, you'll get this, you'll get that. And you're right back to where you started feeling the same way, except for you might even feel worse at that point because you've gone full circle now and you're no better off. And you're like, oh, it just, you, you can't be, you can't fix yourself that way. So until you come to that realization, you know, and that's, that's where we all go. That's, I mean, yeah. Well, it's like, it's almost worse. I can see what you're saying. Cause it's like almost worse to get there and know you put all that effort in and all that time and I'm not happier. I mm -hmm. did all of this. What was it for? You know? Yeah, totally. That's where life loses its meaning. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's probably where you were to a degree, you know, when you went through your spell too, it's like all of a sudden, because you probably achieved some big goals and that's, yeah that success can be the biggest trap too i think from that standpoint so yeah you know i think for me it was just finding what 
you know, meaning was. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I don't have these big, grandiose ideas of, of what meaning is. And I still struggle with, you know, what, mm-hmm. what it's all about. Um, but I think, um, I think just learning and evolving helps me a lot from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Instead of thinking, like, this is all just a meaningless exercise and we just got lucky <laughs> to be born with consciousness you know it's yeah um, well the Bhagavad Gita you know they basically one of the quotes from that book that's super powerful to me is you know the purpose of all experience is spiritual wisdom and so essentially you can take that as don't look for external results for this process right it's who you become through this process mm-hmm. that really is what matters, right? It's like getting that thing you've always wanted, right? They, you talk about achieving goals or whatever. It's who you become in the process of pursuing your goals that matters more than actually acquiring that goal. Like, because, you know, I mean, if, if it's an external thing, it's the achievements typically hollow other than what you had to pay in price to get there, right? And, and I'm not talking typically price in monetary value. I'm talking how you had to dig deep within yourself, right? And how you had to have, you had those days where you felt like crap and didn't want to do anything, but yet you kept going anyway because you didn't feel great and you just kept pursuing this goal and you you went through all those letdowns and then in the end you got there. And what did that teach you? Who did you become through that process, right? You became somebody that had faith to know that, hey, no matter what, my persistence will pay off over the long run. Even though I'm going to experience setbacks, it's going to pay off and I think, you know, that's ultimately meaning of, I, I think too often we do get caught up in this idea where we're looking for this huge meaning that really matters. And I don't, I don't think, you know, that's relevant. These, I, I think it's all in the little things that's really, but we tend to delete all of those little things. Cause Oh, it couldn't be that simple, right? It couldn't be that simple. It's, you know, it's always gotta be way more complex. That's the way our mind kind of works. It likes to complicate things. And we end up full circle back in the place where we started, but with this new understanding and going, man, all the answers were there for me already at the start, but I just overlooked them because they were too simple. And I wasn't willing to accept that it could possibly be that simple. Right. So that's my take. No, I I totally agree with you. You mentioned um, when you mentioned God or the universe, Mm -hmm. I was wondering, did you read a lot of religious texts? I read all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I read some, you know, ancient wisdom. I studied different mystery schools and the different mystery schools, a lot of that predated religion, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I read a lot of different stuff. I mean, I, I've read the Bible a couple of times and, you know, I mean, I've read all kinds of stuff. I grew up Mormon and I've read that book of Mormon four times as well. Um, you know, so I've read a lot of different stuff. It's kind of whatever had that appeal and resonated with me, right? I, I certainly do believe in God, right? Like, mm-hmm. I certainly do, um, you know, but maybe not in the sense that, you know, every religion does, right? I'm kind of more open-minded. I think, I think the benefit of studying a bunch of different faiths, beliefs, whatever you want to call it, right, is that you get this bigger perspective and you don't have to try to see everything through a certain lens and reinterpret it right but by studying those different things you're able to interpret it into a language that somebody else who's who's strictly you know they're they're of this faith they're of that faith you can maybe explain it to them to where you can fit it in their box to where they can grasp that concept 
I mean, that's that's kind of my my thought process on it. Anyways, it just it was great to learn all those things because again, there's truth in all things, right? And truth has a resonance and it resonates with you. And so, I don't believe there's one specific path. Personally, I think all paths lead to the one, so to speak, right? All paths lead to the same end, um, and it's just a different way of getting there. I mean, it's you can get caught up in the verbiage, right, and the you know the terminology of this and that, and argue back and forth across the fence. Does it really matter at the end of the day? Like, what resonates with you is what resonates with you. What resonates with me is what resonates with me. Maybe there's some things that are exactly the same. Maybe there's some that aren't, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Because bottom line is, follow your heart. That's what matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it works for you, then it works for you. And who am I to say that my idea is right? That's the other side to it. There's so many different perspectives and it's all subjective. And so I don't believe there's one right answer. I believe there's. Yeah. I kind of look at it uh, as I'm, I'm stealing this and I don't know where I stole it from, but somebody once said on something I was watching when they were talking about religion, they're like, listen, um, religion is just the language you speak to God, whatever religion you are. It's a, it's a language that you talk to God. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things I'm the same way. It's like, you know, I think I was raised, um, uh, Catholic. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I went to Catholic school, had it all beaten down into me. Um, that was my growing up too, but Mormon side. Yeah, and then it's it's kind of weird when you start thinking outside of that because you feel like you're doing it. It just feels wrong. Like, but um, well, and, and a lot of your people, your your you know sphere of influence that's still caught up in it and still in the belief, you know, they have a hard time with it too. And so you have to be really careful when you start doing that from the standpoint of you don't. If something resonates with you and doesn't fit in that box, they might have a hard time with it. So you're better off sometimes keeping your opinions to yourself, which I've learned. It's just mm-hmm. it's the whole saying of Jesus, right? Don't catch your pearl at swine. And it's like, hey, if something works for you, like you don't have to necessarily share it with everybody if you don't want to. Especially if if it's people you know that are gonna have a problem with it, like, why have the conflict? It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like it's not helping your relationship. And you're probably not going to convince them anyway if if you believe something's true and they don't. Like, you're never, what, you're going to argue with them for hours and try to convince them. And they're going to do the same thing back and forth. It's just this, it goes nowhere. So I've found that it's better to just let people figure out on their own, right, through experience. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I don't know all the answers. I don't have the right answers. I just, I know what works for me and what's helped me a lot, you know, so... Yeah, um, I totally agree with that. You know, it's it's um, well, it's it's like the same thing with politics, religion, politics, whatever. Yeah. You're not going to change anybody's mind um, as long as it's like you said, working for them. I, I mean, I view it's weird because as I got older and I started looking, <laughs> what got me kind of out of that mindset was you know astronomy at that point when i start looking at how vast the universe is yeah i'm like there's no way <laughs> that somebody <laughs> figured this out yeah. here you know because and it's it, all that stuff is just really about man and it's such a huge universe that it just it didn't make sense to me anymore but at the same time i also looked at it and said the universe is so vast and big; it can't be like nothing. 
right? It can't be yeah. just a happy accident. It's just, I think, I like to think of it as you just, I just don't know. I think, you know, sometimes I look at us, you know, like, let's go back to the gut, right? You have a microbiome with trillions and trillions of bacteria in it that are working for you. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think we're kind of like that. We're just a small cog in this huge machine that we don't understand. Yeah. And that's okay, you know? And then yeah. you just find your way of what works. And if that's, you know, praying directly to a god this way or, or that way and it works for you, then that's great. Totally but, agree. You know, yeah. so. We should get back to your book a little bit. And yeah. um, how long did that take you to, to write? The first oh. one's got to be tough, especially a guy who wasn't into, didn't think about writing in the absolutely in yeah. life. Yeah. So, so realistically, I spent eighteen months and took two days off on the first draft of the book that went to the editor. This was I started writing on 12, 13, 2014. Don't ask me how it worked out, but it did. So, so back to the idea. So, I wrote this two hundred page nonfiction book when I decided, yeah, I need to write a book, you know, and, uh, and I hated every bit of it. So I threw it away and I'm like, I'm not going to write. I'm done with this writing thing. This isn't for me. Right. I'm, I'm just not doing this. I can't write anything worthwhile. And you got the voice in your head. Of course, it's telling you, yeah, who the heck are you to write anything anyway? Like you're, you know, whatever. So I decided I'm not doing it. My friend calls me, Hey, I'm doing, you know, some marketing for my business. You want to help me? get on the phone, make some calls. Okay. Yeah. So I get on the phone, two calls in, I'm on the phone call the writer who's written five books. And I'm like, huh, what are the odds of this? So I started telling him about this writing, you know, and, and basically at the end, he, he says, I'll tell you what, I'll do you a favor. Send me some material. I'll tell you if you should keep going or if you should, you know, give this up. So I'm thinking, all right, yeah, I'm going to get some reinforcement that I can't write worth the crap and I'm not doing this. Send him the material. He gets back to me in a couple of days. It's like, you got to keep going with this. You just, you got to keep going. So I don't know, a month or so goes by and I wake up one morning and I'm like, that's it. I'm going to write this book about these initiates that built these temples of the past. So that way, when they returned in their lifetimes in the future, they could remember themselves and they encoded these temples of the past with a message. And so I start writing 12, 13, 2014. And uh, yeah, hadn't thought about it. Hadn't even clicked in my head that it was the idea I'd come up with in 2000. 13 pretty much. And I'm like, wow. So anyway, I spent 18 months from that point in time, send this thing to the editor. I've got basically a 275,000 word manuscript, which is about 700 pages. And I hadn't read a lot of fiction at that point. And editor, you know, he teaches at the University of Michigan. He's got a PhD in literature. He's written like 20 novels himself, award-winning writer. A couple of days later, he gets back to me and he says, this thing's not ready for editing. And he basically told me, yeah, it's pretty much crap. So yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the humbling experience there, right? That's one of those moments where you're like, wow, I could really have gone any direction I want with that one, right? It's like, yeah, basically I just got reinforcement that I wasted the last 18 months and I lived on $8,000 one of those years. How you do that, I don't even know, but I was living in this room at a friend's house in his basement, just renting it super cheap. I had cement walls on two of them and then joists in the ceiling above me in some finished basement. Like I literally was like living in a cave pretty much, you know what I mean? And just working, plugging away on this book. Like it's all that mattered to me. So 
Um, but I, I told him, I said, to be honest with you, I've read a lot of fiction. I've mostly read nonfiction. That's always been my, you know, my passion, my fave, so to speak. And so he says, well, read a bunch of fiction. It'll make you a better fiction writer. So I ended up getting a job offer, went to California. And then I started reading a ton of novels. And I read about 250, maybe 300 plus novels over the next year. Like I just, I had a job where I just took a book with me everywhere and I just read. And all I did is go to work and read books. That's it. So, um, and then I started writing again. And, you know, after about a year of that and still hated it, just couldn't get it right. Kept reading, kept going back to it. Finally in 2018, I sat down, I decided I'm gonna write this thing as a screenplay. And it really helped me a lot because screenplay kind of forces you to be brief, right? And screenplay is 110 pages and I read books on screenplay writing and I'm like, yeah, this will be a good way to do it. You've got 30 scenes to work with. So that's it, you're very limited, but it forces you. Because I remember, I've read like probably 1300 books at this point. Like there's so much information turning up here in my head that I'm just like, how do you even focus? There's so much you could go with. And it's like trying to keep that straight was I think probably my biggest challenge realistically and not to go down all the rabbit holes. So I start writing this screenplay and all of a sudden it works, you know, and it's starting to work. So I get the screenplay finished. And then after I had the screenplay, I could pretty much just expand on that and create the book. So that's what I did. So within four months, all of a sudden, bam, it came together. And that was, uh, you know, 2018. Within four months, I had written the screenplay and the book. And then I, within just a few days of having the, the manuscript done, I had it in front of a publisher. And that's another long story we can go into, but I know we're running short on time. So um, essentially, yeah, first, try first guy, liked the book. And then I had some distance from it for a little bit and went back and read it again and realized it was missing some emotional elements. And so I ended up adding another 15,000 words to that manuscript before it went to back to my editor and he read it and then it was finally. So we finished up editing on the thing in 2019 and then COVID hit in 2020 and and i got super busy with work and then the other side to it was i had a guy who was going to do my video for you know book trailer video and he kind of just disappeared when COVID hit i i haven't talked to him since so i don't know i ended up finding somebody else to do it but so yeah i mean it's basically from from the time i started writing 12 13 14 till you know about 2019 is about five years realistically. And it was like reading so many books and started, I, I started over five times and threw away the material. And it's like, if you look at it from, you know, that smaller perspective, right? Like, wow, I just wasted so much time. But the other side to it is writing and writing well is difficult. It's extremely difficult. And to really get it right and create something great, like I just had to learn how to write. That's the other side to it. Like, and so that's how I had to view it is that side of things, because I probably wrote 3000 pages of material and I ended up with a 200 page book. So, <laughs> well, you know, well, what? scripting out the scenes was probably, like you said, a big help, but then you have the dialogue there too for you. Right. I mean, so that's a long time. Yeah. And a lot of the best stuff I think just was developed over time. And it was, yeah, I, it just, it's, crazy when you're writing a book or creating a story because 
in order to really have success, at least from my perspective and my experience, it almost has to consume you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's that thing that's running in the back of your mind 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It just, you don't take a break from it. And you might wake up at five in the morning with ideas for this and that or whatever, you know, like some of the characters' names, some of the things that happen, some of those scenes, all of that. It's like, you're going to this other world and you're kind of like downloading that world and bringing it back piece by piece at a time, right? And and every time you return to that world, right, in your mind, you're bringing back more of the details of that world. And so that's kind of what it takes. It just, you have to go back to that world so many times to really get it right, I think, and have it work. So, yeah, it's it's a daunting task. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on a second one right now. I've sort of got the storyline done and everything else, but it's like, I've been hesitating to dive in because I just know how consuming it right. is in my world. And so I don't really take a break from it. I'm just, yeah, it just, nothing else sort of matters. It takes, it has to, it has to take priority. This thing has to almost consume you to really turn out well, because you can't really be halfway in and halfway out. It's just, it's too difficult to task, I think, you know, and, and maybe for others it's not. Writing for me is extremely difficult to really get it right to where I'm really, you know, pleased with how it comes out. But again, it's also, you're doing this back and forth of, you know, because as a writer, as a creator, you can't really be objective, right? You can't, you're too close to this thing or too far away. So you're either being hypercritical or not critical enough, right? And it's trying to find that balance. And so, taking a break from it and coming back to it helps you to recognize what's missing because it's it's like this and so you're kind of seeing it through this lens so to speak everything's filtered through it and you just don't know what's missing until you come back and kind of forget about it for a minute yeah well this new perspective i i could see that being hard because the other thing is you understand the story and you understand the scene in your head, that doesn't mean somebody else will see it that way. So what you're saying about being too close, I totally get that. Um, yeah. Yeah. You could, yeah, I, I could see being there like, this is fantastic. And then it's, and somebody it's doesn't get it <laughs> or yeah. you think it's total garbage because you know, you're just having one of those days. Yeah. Um, did you find it? You were saying it was daunting. Were you, um, did you have, I think a, a tough thing that people try to do is they look for inspiration when they're doing these things, you know, um, you know, Oh, I'm inspired today and I'm going to write, you know, 30 pages and I'm going to do this and that. Did you find that it, it was tough to find inspiration or it was more like just, you did the work and then sometimes it would come and, and sometimes it would go. And Yeah. So kind of the core message of my book, right? One of, the, one of the core themes of the book, I guess, at the end is this message of balance and harmony, right? And it's, it's basically existing in harmony within ourselves, regardless of what's happening outside of us, right? And, and that's sort of this message that's been encoded into these temples in the past, right? And those are themes that come up all over Eastern philosophy, everything else as well. But it really helped me a lot to apply that when it came to writing, especially. Like if I had a bunch of thoughts going on in my head, if I had stresses about whatever, I struggled to write. But when I was in that balanced and kind of harmonious space, truthfully, that's when it was almost effortless because I was able to sort of channel this stuff through me, that inspiration that's talked about in writing, right? Where you just sort of become this channel 
and you go back a couple of days later and read what you wrote and you're like, I don't even remember writing that, you know what I mean? And it happens. I know there was a lot of that that went on with this book. I could tell you several stories from people that have read the book that are like, where did you come up with that? I had that, like, so I had a friend that went to Peru, did the ayahuasca ceremonies, right? Comes back, reads my book and calls me and says, when did you go to Peru and do ayahuasca? Because these initiatory exercises that the character has, that was my experience. And I'm like, I never went to Peru. I never, never did any of this. I had another lady reach out to me just recently. She was in the Great Pyramid on 11-11 for some meditation ceremony of the group, right? And then she went over to the Temple of Isis and had this experience in there. And then she came back from Egypt. This is 2021, 11-11-2021. She comes back from Egypt, finished reading my book on 222, and then gets a hold of me through one of the people in my acknowledgement section that introduced me to the publisher. Anyway, long story, we end up talking on the phone. We have a conversation. We talk for two hours and she explains to me, how did you know what I experienced in that temple of ISIS? And I'm like, it just came through you, right? But it it just, well, it just resonated. The book is resonating with people. And I think that's, that's part of that inspiration. I think that a lot of writers search for, and it's probably talked about a lot. And there's a lot of that in the book, like stuff I thought I'm making up and, and it turns out to be truth, you know? So there, there is that stuff. We don't understand necessarily where it really comes from. The idea of maybe like, you know, Jungian theory and some of that, like, you know, the uh, collective consciousness and all that. I have one friend that's like, you tapped into collective consciousness, dude. You know, and it's like, maybe I did for some of it, right? You don't really know where some of this comes from. You just kind of like, you just trust and let it flow, so to speak. So, yeah, so being in that right state really helped you. I guess that was a long answer. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Uh, you planning to do a, a trilogy or keep going with it? What's do you have a, a do you have an end game? I guess would be the question. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I do, but it just it kind of all depends, right? It depends on. It's a lot of work to do one. Mm-hmm. There's no question, right? It's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of time. Um. So it really just depends. I think if. If there is an audience for it, then there'll be a bunch more. There at least will be one more. Um, ideally, it was going to be you know a trilogy, and then perhaps if it gains a lot of traction, maybe there's a TV series around, it, which would be kind of neat. I think cool. just you know this idea where you just you take away. It's kind of like the old novels, the Dickens, the classics, all of those novels where you just you left the story feeling good, kind of like the fairy tales and everything. That's that's missing from so much of our literature now, right? There's, there's not really to feel good anymore. And, you know, the lessons learned, so to speak, and, and lessons learned that are sort of all across the board lessons, right? They're not like to a, a specific, you know, sect, believed, whatever, right? And I mean, again, when you read a book, it's like the messages that resonate with you, the messages that resonate with you. You might read a book that I read and and we get a total, have a totally different experience mm-hmm. from it, right? So that's kind of the thing. So you kind of see what you want to see there. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be kind of cool to have something along those lines where, hey, you know, you kind of walked away learning something that, uh, you know, helped you in your life, something you could apply in your world and mainly to yourself, right? And your thinking, because going back to what you were talking about in school and all those things, yeah, we're not taught how to use this mind of ours. Mm-hmm. And yet it's the most powerful thing we have and it's 
it's the greatest gift we have if we can learn how to use it. But if we are using it wrongly, then that's when we suffer so much more. And so if we can, you know, if there was more education, if there was more, you know, ways and people were open to these ideas with, you know, that there, there's a lot more potential between these two ears of yours than you realize. You know? Yeah. You know? I, I think if you look at the world and look at what's in it, you know, we, we tend to live past, we don't live in nature. Like we don't have a harmony with it. Whereas animals have a specific harmony to it or, yeah. um, or even, you know, um, uh, I guess you could say plant life and the trees and how, how it all works. But we, we live very, very against nature. Um, well, we think we're separate from it, right? We do. That's part of it. Yeah. Is we don't think we're a part of this environment that we live in, but we really are, you know what I mean? Because yeah. without, I mean, if you, if you study Buddhism and their traditions, right? Like we all are, you know, dependent on one another to exist. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, your body's made up of these elements of this earth, so to speak, and you couldn't exist without them. And, you know, the elements of the earth are what bring nature into place. And when, when nature sort of, you know, goes through its different cycles, like the leaves of the trees and all that, they become mulch all of a sudden, you know, and they're, they're basically the fertilizer that helps the new leaves come about. And so there's that idea, right, that we're all a part of this. And somehow we feel like we're disconnected, we're above it, we're controlling it, you know, we've got this reasoning and logic about our minds, and we're going to go out and do this, you know, I mean, little do we know, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see in the future where... Uh how we end up as far as um I, I do think there's a shift going on in the mm. world maybe covid kind of hastened that that yeah. people people had a pause and were able to sit there and kind of say what we're talking about it's like well what is this all for what are we doing all this for like, mm -hmm. what's the meaning of this you know mm -hmm. just to get up and and work and do things um that we were told to do so i yeah. mean i i definitely see like a, a this shift in consciousness, you know, where people have a little more awareness. Uh, maybe that's yeah. why you see a lot of social upheaval and, and things mm -hmm. like that. But yeah. it'll be interesting to see where we are at some point, like in the next 20 years, you know, mm -hmm. that's even 20 years. It's like a snap of the finger when you, when you think of time, especially when you get older, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely. My last 10 years pretty much disappeared, you know, cause that was reading and writing for this book. I mean, so, yeah, and it's like, wow, you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, it, I, it's, it's really the same with me too. I look back and I go, how did that, how did that happen? You know, it just the, the idea that it's, it's 2022 is, is mind boggling <laughs> to me, and that I don't have a flying car. I don't know why I don't have one of those because I bought Back <laughs> to the Future hook, line, and sinker. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> well, um, are you? Um, do you have an idea when maybe the second one's coming? Or are you just so full force into doing this, trying to get this book out um, and going that it's like you don't really have a set date for it? It's probably a couple of years, realistically. Yeah. Just yeah. knowing what I know about the process, it takes a long time. Yeah, you know? and and I've been working on it daily, um, but not not obsessively, right? Mm -hmm. And it's that obsessively side when that obsessively side kicks in that's when i'll you know really start making headway right now it's just kind of been like hey, i've got this storyline kind of end out still not loving a hundred percent of it mm -hmm. and then of course the best material usually comes over time and it's 
a lot of it is sort of inspired, believe it or not. Like you get these, your mind's just churning the background, like the dialogue between the characters and all that. If you've read into the book far enough to see like the Anubis character who mm -hmm. is the Hierophant, um, a lot of people, in fact, the lady who was in Egypt and was telling me about her experience, she, uh, she really resonated with that character and just wanted to know where all of that came from, so mm -hmm. to speak. And Anubis probably has, you know, the most quotable, you know, material in the entire book that really kind of resonates with people, I think. And he's the wise sage that, you know, helps this main character sort of get back on track and to see beyond his limitations, viewing himself from this, you know, physical perspective, right? Rather than this eternal perspective, he helps him to kind of understand that eternal nature um, so yeah, that's, that's a character. I think that, you know, there'll be a character similar to that in the next book, right. That kind of finishes off where the first book ended up. And that's probably the hardest material to come up with because again, it's like you write it down, but it's just not right. And then over time it develops and comes to you. So yeah, that, that'll be the greatest challenge probably is coming up with that stuff that really is going to, you know, just touch people, you know, that yeah. truth yeah. resonates and has sort of that emotional, physical, spiritual impact on people, you know, and that's, that's the biggest, I think that's the hardest part. Yeah. And to do it in a way that's subtle too, because there's usually the in your face preachy stuff. And then there's the stuff that like the velvet hammer comes in and you don't even realize you just got hit with this thing. And it's like, wow, holy cow. You know what I mean? That's, that's my favorite. Cause it's, it makes you feel smart. You're like, Oh, I, did you pick that up? You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, that, it's just planted in there. That's a great metaphor when you have that, right? Like the bag of Gita is so much metaphor. Mm -hmm. That's where, you know, if you really relate to the character, in it, it's like, wow, it's an amazing experience, especially if you're in the place where the character is, where you're for, sort of feeling despair, discouragement, and that type of thing where, you know, the Arjuna character is in the bag of Gita and he gets this advice and it's like, wow, it's just life changing advice. Like, so yeah, I, I hope that my book will, really touch those people that are in that place that I was in. And that was what it was kind of written for is somebody that would be in that place where they have these, you know, discouraging thoughts that are just eating them alive. And there's like, there's no hope, there's no way around this. And yet there is, and it's just, you know, digging in and finding it, you know? Well, I so, can't uh, wait to, uh, to finish it. Yeah, you don't have to know, let me know what you think. I will. I will. Yeah. Like I said, uh, maybe I'll do a little little mini episode thing where I review it. You know, just like a five minute thing where I go over it. But listen, thanks for thanks for coming on. It was a great discussion. Really Thank enjoyed you. it. And if you want, you could plug the book now. Where to get it and how they can find you. Yeah. So so the the website for the book is theinitiate.net. And, you know, it's on Amazon. It's, you know, The Initiate by Ben Neal. And, uh, yeah, there's it's available. If you have the Kindle Reader app, you can actually read the book for free. Um, with Amazon, anyway, they have that Kindle, you know, whatever it is. And it's like $9.99 a month subscription. So those readers get it for free. And then if you want a paper copy of the book, I think it's, I think it's $16.95 on Amazon for it. So... Okay. Well, check out the book. And again, thank you for coming on. And, you know, Thanks, hopefully one day I'll talk to you in the future again about it. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks again for having me. Have a great one. You too. Thanks. Take care.
wanna come in first place